Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Our New Testament reading today comes to us from the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, beginning with verse number one. Listen once again to the word of God. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knitted together by every ligament with which it is equipped as each part is working properly promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Interesting things sometimes happen in churches. My very good friend Chris is a Presbyterian pastor in Wildwood, Missouri. He's been there for quite a long time now and Recently, they discovered, they realized that the floors in their Sunday school wing needed to be stripped, reconditioned, and waxed. They had delayed the project because it was so expensive, but it just got to the point that some action needed to be taken. The church found two local men who did this on the side, and they agreed to go to the church and work all night and get it taken care of. The holidays were approaching, however, and Chris was concerned that he might forget to leave the check for these gentlemen. So he asked his secretary to remind him. As he was about to leave one day, the secretary yelled out in a voice loud enough for everyone in the building to hear, Chris, don't forget your strippers are coming tonight. Please leave their check. He said, uh, thankfully, she did not put a note on his door so that everyone could read it. Sometimes interesting things happen in churches. Uh, 
I attended a wedding yesterday in Pennsylvania. I got back to Penn Station last night around 11.30 and got an Uber back to the manse. On the way, the driver and I started talking, and he said, uh, what kind of work do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Oh, what are some of the more interesting things that have ever happened in a church? Well, I told him a few things that really no one else would ever believe, but if I had to do it again, if I were to have that conversation one more time, I would say, if you want to know, join us for worship here at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church on Sundays at 1030. For here in the church is where really, really interesting things can happen. Do you believe that? Do you dare to trust that even in a place like this, in a church, in a congregation, that amazing, transforming, exciting things can actually happen? That's what our scripture reading today leads us to believe and hope. In the fourth chapter of his letter to the Ephesians, Paul encourages the church to be a one body. We are one in Jesus Christ, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And then he says that each of us has been given grace according to the measure of God's gift. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. D did you catch that? What is the role of pastors and leaders in the church? Paul is clear. To equip the saints. To nurture, to educate, to challenge, and to shape God's people for God's ministry. That is our primary calling as leaders, as the staff here at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church to equip the saints for the work of ministry. In one congregation that I served, we went through a vision process that lasted several months. We, had, we identified four or five major areas we wanted to address, and one of them was wellness. That was the area that I said, I would be glad to lead that. For months, those who were interested in this area of ministry met on a Sunday afternoon and we talked about it. We each had a, a, a personal interest in mental health and wellness. We talked and talked and talked and then we realized, we realized we were running into some legal issues and some bureaucratic challenges and we weren't quite sure how we were going to bring to life this ministry of wellness. A woman joined the church who had gifts with administration, and in a conversation with her one Sunday, I said, um, uh, would you like to join this team? We're focusing on wellness. We're wondering how we can serve our congregation and our community. I think you would be a blessing. Sure, I would love to. And Susan came in, and with her wonderful gifts of administration, we got very focused. And a few months later, we offered our first seminar, a seminar on meditation. Now, my colleagues at the time, the other pastors on staff, were getting very antsy and frustrated, and they, they started saying to me things like, oh, Patrick, you just got to go in there and tell them what's going to happen. 
You have to go in and take the bull by the horns and just take charge. But I've been a minister for 35 years. And for 35 years, I have had a commitment to equipping, to working with the congregation, to identify what God is doing in our midst. And I said, thank you, thank you, but I'm okay. The wellness team offered that seminar on meditation, and they continued to offer other seminars. Five years later, the only initiative from that vision process was the one on wellness. All the others had just faded away. Equipping means helping people to identify their gifts and connect them to the ministries for which they have a passion, the ministries to which God has called them. Equipping means helping people to get on the bus and helping them find their best seat on the bus my colleagues not only wanted to drive the bus, they didn't trust the people to figure out where to sit. In other words, they, that's most of the church in the 20th and 21st centuries, they had been seduced by what scholars today call the clerical paradigm. The clerical paradigm has been the dominant model for church life for generations. It ignores Paul's approach to ministry, and it assumes, it assumes that real ministry, the important stuff, is the stuff that only pastors and church staff do. And the rest of it, well, you just volunteer for a few things. That's not at all how Paul describes ministry in his writings. The clerical paradigm says that coming up with new ideas, generating excitement, leading new forms of service, and even picking up the slack is primarily the work of the pastor. And then we wonder, we wonder, after generations of this approach, why churches across our country are dwindling. We've been so focused on the work of the pastor and we have ignored the ministry of the congregation. Shaped by secular culture and motivated by a fear of failure and shame, pastors and staff have a responsibility to lead the people, but we have taken on far more responsibility than is healthy for the life of a church. This style of ministry is so pervasive that many churches simply assume that's what churches do, that we hire the staff to do our work, to do our ministry. But what does Paul say? We are called to equip the saints. God gives us all the gifts we need to accomplish God's work in this time and place. Our challenge is to identify those gifts, embrace those gifts, and invest in those gifts. When I went to serve one congregation, they had been seduced by this paradigm for many, many years. They sensed that there was more to church, but they weren't quite sure what to do. Over a number of years, we entrusted the ministry of Christ to the congregation. For example, we had one member, uh, Carl, real name, brilliant man, PhD from Rice, and he taught histology at the Medical University of South Carolina for decades. Good man and a very, very close friend today. He was the chair of our mission committee. 
And as the chair of the mission committee, once a month, he took food down to the homeless shelter and fed it to the men who gathered there. Once a month, he did that. Month after month after month, all by himself. Nobody else will help me, he said. And then he would go back down the following morning and take apples and cereal. All by himself, once a month. But after being there and entrusting the ministry to the congregation, we went from one man going to the homeless shelter once a month to 24 people going three times a month. It's not magic. It's not a trick of the hand. It was simply a matter of having the right organization and inviting people to let their imaginations run wild, to discern how God might be calling them to serve. Inviting people to think, oh, what time do I really have? What gifts might I share? And when we move to that form of ministry, wow. Then we had six of the members of the congregation who came up and led the children's moment on Sunday mornings. Then another young woman by the name of Margaret came to visit me, and she said, I, I, I know about this, well, this outreach in Charleston. It's similar to Ronald McDonald House. It's, it's not the same, and they need some help. Do, do you think we can do that? Absolutely. And we got the word out, and then she and several others, once a month, were going down there to feed these families who are so filled with fear and with no friend in the area. The idea came from her. It is amazing what can be done when congregations are released for ministry. Each of us has been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. You, each and every one of you, have been gifted by God. God has already given us everything we need in the life of this congregation to do what God wants us to do. All the gifts that we need to excel and thrive within ministry are within our grasp. This is a radical idea. I was talking about this in one congregation some years ago, and one gentleman said, oh, I like this new approach to ministry. And I said, well, thank you, but it's not a new approach to ministry. It's the way the church was doing it for many, many generations. Ministry, my friends, it's not about filling slots. It's not just about getting a task accomplished. It's not about crossing items off a list. Ministry is much more interesting and compelling and exciting. Equipping means that we take time to listen to one another. Equipping takes lots and lots of patience. Equipping means risking failure over and over again. Equipping means letting some ministries just pass away when there's no longer the interest or the gifts in a congregation to sustain it. Equipping means developing relationships between the staff and the church and the church and the church. Equipping means 
teasing the imagination of all people involved in the life of a congregation to dream what God might have in store for us. In one congregation that I served, it was a very large church, and their mission committee blessed them. Uh, their mission committee, uh, their meetings every, week, every month uh, were focused on who could argue the loudest to spend money on their particular pet project. And they, they have been going on like this for months. Get together, we need to support this missionary, we need to support this task force, we need to, and argue and argue and argue. Uh, my wife and I were serving together in that congregation, and Deb and I both are committed to the ministry of equipping, and she worked with them. And it took months, and it took developing a relationship, and it didn't happen overnight. But this mission committee went from arguing over money to facilitating the ministry of the congregation. When Katrina hit, for example, that congregation built a house in the church parking lot, put it on an 18-wheeler, sent it down to New Orleans, and a couple of weeks later, we put 40 members of that church on a chartered bus, and they went down to New Orleans to put it together. Do interesting things happen in churches? Oh, oh yes, absolutely. And that same congregation where all they had done is fight about money, we held serve day one fall, and more than 300 members of the church signed up to go and serve in some specific way in our community. Some of them, for example, prepared food and they took it to the police precincts and the emergency rooms. Equipping is about listening to one another. It's about developing relationships. And more than anything else, equipping is about trusting God to do God's work through us in this time and place. Before Deb became a chaplain in a retirement community, she spent many, many years on church staffs, uh, primarily responsible for education, for mission, and for member engagement. In one church she served down south, she took their youth on six or seven mission trips around the country. They went to Buffalo, they went to Miami, they went to Philadelphia, they went to Cincinnati. And wherever they went, inner city or suburb, I never, ever worried about her safety. I never worried because Bill was with her. Bill was a member of that congregation, and Bill was built sort of like a mountain. He was tall, and his shoulders were like this, and his arms were like this. He was huge. Bill, when he wasn't going to church, was the captain of the police department in town. So I never worried about Deb's safety. She, she was with Bill and everything was going to be okay. Bill, by the way, says that early on in his work as a patrolman, he was called to break up a fight between two rather large men. He walked up to them and said, excuse me, gentlemen, what's going on? Get out of here. You're gonna to have to stop this and I'm placing you under arrest. You're not going to arrest me. Yes, sir. I'm here to arrest you. You're not going to arrest me. Yes, sir. And so Bill turned around, 
walked back to his squad car, got on the radio and says, I need an ambulance at this location immediately. And he turned back to the gentleman, he said, well, why, why, why did you do that? He said, because I am going to arrest you. And the way I see it, by the time I'm done, one of us will need an ambulance. Bill says the man turned around, went back to the squad car and got in all by himself. It was great. Bill was tough. Bill was a veteran of Desert Storm, Desert Shield. But Bill, this tough guy, had a gift and a passion for youth. And he went on all of these mission trips with Deb. He went because he had a passion and he had a gift for listening to the youth, laughing with them, joking with them, holding them accountable, talking with them about their faith, reading the Bible with them, praying with them. Bill found his gift and invested it in ministry and blessed so many, many people. And so this is the question I want to leave you with. Uh, if you desire an exciting church, if you really want to trust and believe that God can do wonderful things through the life of this congregation, ask yourself, how has God gifted me? How is God at work in my life? Give that some thought, and you'll be surprised. Amen.